Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Happy holidays. In segment three, we're going to catch up with our friend G2 Strategic CEO Marshall Glickman for our monthly Glickman Global segment where we examine international sports business topics. Then in segment four, we're going to present our Sports Business Radio's year-end awards. My guys Bobby and Nathan have called them the ROYS, the Return on Investment. The first annual ROYS. We will be handing those out in segment four from the best-run pro sports franchise to the best player personnel decision of 2007. We'll even tell you our worst organization in all of pro sports. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Listen to us on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. Visit our new interviews page. On our website featuring some of our best guest interviews from the past, go to sportsbusinessradio.com slash interviews. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, we finally know who's going to be playing in the BCS championship game, Ohio State versus LSU January 7th in New Orleans. This has been probably the craziest college football season in recent memory. First time in the history of the BCS where a two-loss team, LSU, will play in the championship game. Yeah, but it's pretty consistent with previous years in that nobody's happy with it again, and nobody's been happy with the BCS for some time. USC Texas a couple years back was the one time that I can remember where they got it right, and now people are up in arms again over a two-loss team playing for the national championship. Yeah, I mean, we cry about this every year. Playoff system, playoff system. On my blog, I link to Dan Wetzel from Yahoo. He has a brilliant plan for a playoff system, it's the best one I've seen. Go to my blog, sportsbusinessradio.com, check that out. But we're going to talk about this more in headlines. Um, and then, boy, the Winter League Baseball meetings this week for Major League Baseball. An enormous deal pulled off between the Detroit Tigers and the Florida Marlins. And really, Nathan, this one comes down to pure economics. Well, yeah, and Bobby Bobby. Course, our producer over here, he's got his thumbs up. He's a Tigers guy. This is a huge deal for the Tigers, and we'll wait to see what happens next season, but lots of money being thrown around and great for the Tigers. So we'll tell you more about that deal, and we've got lots of headlines coming up next. You've been wondering where Paul Tagliabue, former NFL commissioner, has been hanging out these days. We'll tell you about that coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This one's for you, little Sophia. Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. 
With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, as we said in our opening segment, the college football bowl schedule is now set, including the BCS National Championship game, which will feature Ohio State and LSU on January 7th. Cries for a playoff get louder and louder. Nathan, we are going to have the head of the BCS, the commissioner of the SEC, Michael Slive, on our show next week. You're not going to want to miss that conversation. This is the guy, you know, he's not the czar of the BCS, but he's the coordinator. So he's really the one who's kind of at the top of the food chain for now. Uh, different commissioners trade that spot. This is his last year as the BCS coordinator, but I think he's going to be able to answer some questions for us about the future of the BCS. Are we ever going to see a plus one? Are we going to see any kind of a playoff schedule? Because the cries for a playoff are louder this year than they've ever been. Well, yeah, and the cries, amidst all these cries, there's a huge financial impact, which we know we'll talk to him about with these bowl games. Basically, when they decide who's going to the national championship games is the difference of millions and millions of dollars for schools and for coaches. For example, Ohio State coach Jim Tressel makes $2.5 million a year. He's going to get a $200,000 bonus for getting the Buckeyes to the national champion game. These are huge bonuses for these coaches to make it and the schools as well. Well, basically all you need to know is this. If you go to a BCS game, $17 million is what you're paid. Um, You're splitting that with your conference members. So let's look at this. The Big Ten and the SEC each have two representatives in the five BCS bowl games. Each conference is allowed a maximum of two teams in the BCS. So both conferences will receive a total of $21.5 million. Conferences with only one team in the BCS, let's say the Pac-10, for instance, with USC, they'll receive $17 million. And the way it works is the schools pay their expenses, and then after the expenses, the rest of the money is split with the conference members. So again, the Big Ten, the SEC, just as you said, they're making lots and lots of money. I mean, you know, you look at, we're based in Oregon, you look at a team like the Oregon Ducks. A few weeks ago, the Oregon Ducks are ranked number two in the country. They look like they could be headed to the national championship game. Dennis Dixon gets hurt. Now they're going to a bowl game that pays $1.9 million instead of to a BCS game that pays $17 million. Lots of money at stake here. Oh, so much money at stake here, and especially when you start getting down into the smaller bowl games where you barely break even. You don't even make a whole lot of money once all the expenses have been paid for and a bonus here and a bonus there. Your school is basically breaking even, and not to mention the disappointment from other schools within the concert conference that stand to have some financial gain here. Now, besides Ohio State and LSU, the happiest people in America this week are friends from Fox Sports. Fox Sports, they were dreading a West Virginia-Missouri matchup. No one would have watched that. These are not perennial football powers. They really don't have any household names. Their coaches are not high-profile coaches. Now they get a matchup, Ohio State versus LSU, 
uh, with Les Miles, who is rumored to be going to Michigan, probably won't, but he's been in the news a lot lately. Jim Tressel has been in several national championship games, including last year against Florida. These are big programs with huge followings. It will be very good for the TV ratings. And again, West Virginia, Missouri would have been disastrous for Fox. Well, you know, I don't know if I'd use the word disaster. I I think when it comes to college football and the ratings for bowl games, they're always going to be good. And I think that that would have been good as well. I'm actually looking forward to the LSU-Ohio State bowl game myself. Even though I don't agree with them both being there, I think it could turn out to be a great game. The game that I'm looking forward to the most is the Sugar Bowl. Georgia versus Hawaii. We all remember. Remember the Boise State, Oklahoma thriller from last year in the Fiesta Bowl? Well, I think this game has the potential to be very high scoring, could be very exciting. Speaking of Hawaii, the University of Hawaii sold out 13,500 tickets, their entire allotment, to go to the Sugar Bowl January 1st, and that's a lot of money for them. And also, that's 4,200 miles away that all these people from Hawaii are going to travel to New Orleans to go watch this game. These are diehard fans. Oh, yeah, but you always have to think about Hawaii every time you talk about college sports. I've always imagined being an athlete on one of those sports teams. You're constantly having to make that trip across the pond to play. And if you're a diehard sports fan, you have to pony up some big money just to get over to the mainland to watch your team play. Well, I'm sure they'll put together some attractive travel packages, all-inclusive things, hotel, airfare, all that good stuff. Last point on college football. Read my blog, sportsbusinessradio.com. I linked to a great study done by USA Today this week profiling the major college football coaches and their salaries. There's four coaches in the United States that make over $3 million. And then this is the first year where the mean salary of the coaches is a million dollars or more. So these coaches are making more money than ever. I mean, these are CEOs of college football programs, and they're getting paid Lots more money, about five times as much money as university presidents, for example. Well, and you can also see all the perks and the and the uh, the bonuses that these coaches get in the fine print of these. So it's not bad to log on there and check it out. Our next headline: Major League Baseball had their winter league meetings in Nashville this week, and this is the time of year when a lot of trades, free agent signings, things of that nature take place. You have all the executives in a lobby; they're making deals, they're wheeling and dealing over late-night drinks. Well, the Marlins and Detroit Tigers pulled off a huge trade this week. The big names going to Detroit, Dontrell Willis and Miguel Cabrera. And, you know, this is really going to push the Tigers' payroll from about $100 million to $120 million. So now they are going to be in the same ballpark as teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox. They're trading away a lot of their young talent for winning now. And, you know... The Marlins are going to have the lowest payroll in all of baseball, $15 million. That's unbelievable, and they're a pretty profitable organization. Imagine how much money they're going to make this season if their payroll is only $15 million. Even if they fill half the stadium, they're still going to make a ton of money off of that. Well, and again, I mean, we talk about this all the time on the show, but Alex Rodriguez just signed a new contract. I mean, he's going to be making about $25 million a year. So one guy is going to make more than the entire roster of the Florida Marlins. It's really mind-boggling. Now, it's not like the Marlins can't afford talent. They make about $60 million a year from all their different revenue sources. But you know, Nathan, you can't argue with their success. They've won two World Series in the last 10 years, and the way they've done it is they grow 
the young players, and then when they have to pay those young players a lot of money, like Dontrell Willis and Miguel Cabrera, they trade them away. They restock their farm system with young talent, Hanley Ramirez, Dan Ugala, guys like that that may not be household names, and then they hope to take another chance at a World Series. But you know what? I don't I don't agree with that strategy because I think part of baseball and sports in general is to to resonate with it or to latch on to a player from a certain team. If they're constantly trading him away like we saw, you know, what, six, seven years ago when the Marlins basically got rid of their entire World Series winning team, I think it's hard for fans to really identify with that team when the, the turnover's so high. Well, yeah, now the Marlins have traded every single player who won their most recent World Series. Our next headline, lots of rumors going around that Adidas was going to be bought by Nike and Japanese athletic shoemaker Asics this week. You know, Adidas came out and immediately denied this. This would basically be like if the Red Sox bought the Yankees or the Yankees bought the Red Sox. It's hogwash, and Adidas basically said as much, and I don't see it happening at all. I mean, these are two bitter rivals. I don't see them merging at any point. Yeah, but just for fun, imagine if they did merge. I mean, they would be like Gatorade is in the uh, sports drink market. Well, Adidas's market value is $13.8 billion, and if a deal was going to get done, it would face significant regulatory hurdles in the United States. Don't look for that to happen anytime soon. Our next headline, the big Patriots Ravens game on Monday Night Football drew 17.5 million viewers, highest rated cable program in the history of cable. That's saying something. It surpassed your favorite show, which was a High School Musical 2 in August, which drew 17.2 million viewers, Brian. So, Last headline of the week, former NFL commissioner Paul Tagliabue has rejoined D.C.-based Covington and Burling, the law firm where he was a partner prior to his NFL post. He's a senior counsel, a salaried attorney position, and this is according to Bloomberg. He's going to be a business advisor to the NFL. He'll also advise clients in the firm's communication and media, technology, and international group. They rep the Major League Baseball, NASCAR, the NBA, NFL, NHL, and the USTA. So he's going to have his hands full, but this is a guy who is obviously very, very diverse. Coming up next, we're going to catch up with our friend, Marshall Glickman from G2 Strategic for our monthly Glickman Global segment. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. You tell them, Elvis. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. 
for an international outlook on the world of sports business. Sports Business Radio presents Glickman Global. My guest is Marshall Glickman. He's the CEO of G2 Strategic. You can check him out online at g2strategic.net. Happy holidays, Marshall. Hey, to you too, Brian. So, Marshall, you're the former president of the NBA's Portland Trailblazers. Sports Illustrated profiled Trailblazers and Seahawks billionaire owner Paul Allen in its most recent issue of the magazine. I'm interested in getting your thoughts on that story. Well, I think the writer, John Wertheim, did a really, really good piece. And I think if I were sitting in Paul Allen's chair, I'd be very pleased with the outcome. I think it made Paul look like a guy uh, who is very enthusiastic about sports ownership, uh, who is doing a lot of good things in this world philanthropically, you know, they painted him as what he is. He's kind of, you know, he's a little bit of a strange duck, but I don't mean that in a negative way. You know, he, he he's had a, a quite a storied life, and I think Wertheim did a great job capturing that. Marshall, uh, Paul Allen recently purchased an MLS team, or he's part owner of an MLS team. I guess his main stake is going to be because he's letting the MLS team play at Quest Field where the NFL Seahawks play. Uh Talk to me a little bit about his diversity with ownership. I mean, he's the only guy in North America now that owns an NBA team, an NFL team, and now an MLS team. Well, I can't put myself in his shoes, but he has a guy now running his sports empire uh, by the name of Todd Lewicki, who is really one of the outstanding executives in our industry. Uh, I've known Todd for many years and am a, a great admirer of his. And I think he is uh, kind of handed the reins over to Todd. Now, bringing uh, in MLS to Seattle and particularly bringing into Seahawks Stadium makes infinite sense. It's, I mean, you're talking about content. And when you're in the venue operations business, content is the engine that drives its commercial success. And so Todd understands that, and I think that's all that's all about. It doesn't, I don't think, really say anything about Paul particularly, or Paul's interest in soccer. Now, on the other hand, the Seahawks was done well before Todd showed up to run the Seahawks. Now, that's when Paul stepped in. I think Paul stepped into the Seahawks uh, more for uh, you know a, a sense of civic duty in Seattle, where he's shown um, a lot of you know civic interest over the years, where he hasn't really had that same. Uh, participation in Portland, which is understandable. He lives in Seattle. Um, so I think he did that more as a sense of civic duty, and he's kind of grown to, to to like the game. Whereas in basketball, I know for a fact when he came in in the 80s, he did it because he was an absolutely passionate basketball fan and a student of the game. You know, I think soccer will do very well in Seattle. Um, you know, I just think the Pacific Northwest is a hotbed of soccer activity, and I think they'll do well there. Speaking of the MLS, one of the biggest sports business stories of 2007 was soccer superstar David Beckham signing with the MLS's L.A. Galaxy. Now, when you count all his incentives, it looks like Beckham's signing is estimated at about $250 million over five years. He was injured this year. He played in a total of eight matches. He scored one goal. He had three total assists. Marshall, I know at the beginning a lot of people were very hyped about Beckham. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was on ESPN all the time. But now things seem to have slowed down. Was this uh, Is this money wasted? $250 million for a guy who only played in a handful of games. No, not money wasted at all. I mean, even if he paid, played in 
zero games, to be honest with you. I, he has brought a new sense of credibility. He has increased, uh, in you know, in the stroke of a pen, he has increased the value of the MLS as it relates to television, as it relates to sponsorship, as it relates to licensing. Uh, they're able to have appointments with companies that they weren't able to have appointments with before. He has put MLS on the international sports league map. Uh, he has added credibility to their, uh, what I think has been a very long-term and patient view towards growing their business and growing the sport in spite of what some commentators want to say. And I like the fact that they haven't tried to sort of be, you know, be the NBA or something overnight. They're letting the sport evolve in a more natural way. I think that's smart. I think Beckham brought a lot of attention and was a great investment. I don't think his performance as a player, you know, to the extent that he contributes that way, I think that's just a bonus. You know, I agree with you about what he means to the business and the credibility of MLS, but when you have fans paying top dollar to see Beckham and then he's hurt and he doesn't play and those fans go away angry, doesn't that hurt your league? I don't think fans are really going away angry. I mean, I think it's that's the nature of the beast in sports, right? You know, I mean, I went to the Blazer-Denver Nuggets game uh, in, uh, in Bend, Oregon, where I live, and a lot of people went to that game at the, and bought tickets at the time before, you know, Odin got hurt. And, uh, you know, so he didn't play. Carmelo Anthony of Denver didn't play. I mean, I think that's part of the nature of sports, that people understand that there might be injuries and people play sometimes and don't play other times. I don't think you can sell the sport on the basis of watching Beckham play. I don't think that's why the investment was particularly made. Obviously, there was a spike in attendance as a result. I'm sure there was some disappointment that people who wanted to see him play didn't get to see him play, but I think overall what he's doing is bringing more credibility to um, what is this this organization called Major League Soccer, and I think it's proving out to be quite successful. My guest is Marshall Glickman. He's the CEO of G2 Strategic. You can find him online at g2strategic.net. Marshall, a few weeks ago, Houston Rocket Center Yao Ming was matched against Milwaukee Bucks rookie Yi Jian Lian. And a lot of people talked about the huge TV numbers for this game in advance of the game. It's only a regular season game, but 19 TV networks in China were carrying the game. Well, when all was said and done, the audience was over 250 million people, which is really mind-boggling when you figure out that 106 million is the most people that's ever tuned in to watch an American TV event. That was the series finale of MASH in 1983. It really shows us the potential over in China, doesn't it? Well, the potential is beginning to be realized. It's not just about potential. It's about now that the NBA is generating significant, substantial revenues out of China. You have 200 million people who play basketball in China. I mean, that, you know, to go along with the numbers that you were quoting, Brian, those are mind-boggling. Well, there's 300 million people in the United States, so if 200 million of them played basketball, that's two-thirds of your country. Okay, so it's it's incredible. I believe that in the very near future, I'm talking about in the next, you know, two, three years, that revenues from China coming into the NBA will surpass revenues coming in domestically. 
I agree with yeah, you 100%. You know, David Stern might, you know, hit me over the head with a bat for saying that because I might be dead wrong. I'm speculating, but I believe on an order of magnitude basis, I'm probably within the ballpark. Last question, Marshall, before I let you go. In just two weeks, we're going to reveal our top 20 sports business stories of 2007. I know it's hard to pin down one story, but is there a story or a trend that has resonated with you in 2007 more so than any other? Well, you're just like all the other media, Brian. I, I thought you were special. I am special. Come on now. You, you guys, you always want to rank things. People like really, lists. I know. I They're mean, easy to is, digest. You know, this is what, you know, reality TV is all about. Everybody wants to make everything into a list. I don't think you can you can rank sports stories. I think what resonates is different for different people. For me, you know, what has resonated this year, and I'm sure it's very similar for most people in our industry, is just the negativity, frankly. I'm talking about here in this country. The negativity that related, you know, that came out of the Vic story and the Bond story and the you know the, the the NBA referee story. I mean that stuff is kind of when you t- when you look at it all collectively. When you look at how many column inches in SI and all the newspapers and all the websites is, and you know and ESPN has been you know dedicated to the to the to, to negative subjects. It's really disappointing. And for those of us who are in the business of selling sports, it's a concern. It's a real worry. And I know it's at the highest, you know, level of agenda possible for the commissioners of all the different leagues. It's a very difficult, difficult problem to solve. Well, and in summary, I will say this. It's very interesting going to other countries, as I know you do all the time. You know, the media scrutiny for celebrities and athletes in particular is not nearly as much in other countries as it is here in the United States, where there are over 300 sports talk radio shows in existence 24-7, and they have to have something to talk about. Hopefully, we provide a little bit different of a perspective and aren't as critical on this show as some of the other media outlets that you mentioned. Marshall, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. And, uh, again, if you want to find more about Marshall, go to g2strategic.net. Marshall, happy holidays. Hey, Brian. Thanks a lot. You too. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Feliz Navidad. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, as we approach the end of 2007, Sports Business Radio wants to give out some year-end awards, and my co-host, Nathan Roach, and producer Bobby Corser came up with the name of our annual awards 
The Roy's. The Roy's. The return on investment. So fitting for a sports business show. So R-O-I, not R-O-Y like rookie of the year. No, no, R-O-I, return on investment. All right, so let's give out some awards. We're going to start with our best, and then we'll end with our worst. Our best pro sports franchise as far as a front office. We're not talking about what goes on on the field. From the whole enchilada, the front office, uh, the business dealings, the results on the field, how much money you make, the award for the best sports franchise, according to Sports Business Radio, the The Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox. And you look at the Red Sox and the reason they get our award, not just because they won their second world championship since 2004, but really because they are probably the most diverse sports organization in pro sports. And you say that because, yes, they have a baseball team and they've been very successful with running their baseball team. Every game is sold out at Fenway Park. Yes, they play in the smallest ballpark in Major League Baseball, but the brand of the Red Sox has never been stronger. Then you factor in, they go out and they sign a guy like Dice K. Matsuzaka. Uh, They've got Hideki Okajima, the reliever. So they're making inroads into Japan. As a matter of fact, they're going to open the 2008 season in Japan. As we talk on this show all the time, lots of potential over in Asia. The brand of the Red Sox is expanding over into Asia. The other thing that they're doing very successfully is they're running a NASCAR team. They've got Roush Fenway Racing. They bought into a NASCAR team earlier this year. They've had lots of success. Carl Edwards had a tremendous year for them. So when you look at all the different things that they're doing, this is a very diverse organization. Well, yeah, and making that jump from baseball to NASCAR, it's easy to do with football and baseball because they're so similar, but NASCAR is such a stretch, and they've they've managed to do it and draw a fan base in both NASCAR, which is obviously the complete opposite of baseball, and if you they have the biggest following that you can imagine in sports. Everyone across the country is a is a Red Sox fan. Red Sox like. Nation. Red Sox Nation is strong. So when you can do some cross promotions with the NASCAR fans, that's a good thing for you, and it's expanding your audience even more. So you look, the Red Sox brand is now been expanded to NASCAR fans this year. It's also been expanded over into Asia. A lot of Japanese people maybe weren't as familiar with the Red Sox before they started watching Red Sox games because Daisuke and Hideki Hideki Okajima is playing for them. So, you know, again, you look at guys like John Henry, Tom Warner, Larry Lucchino, Theo Epstein, Mike D, who's been on this show before. This is the brain trust of the Boston Red Sox, of the Fenway Sports Group, of Roush Fenway Racing. They're doing some incredible things, and that's why they get our award as the best pro sports organization. Well, the other thing that's surprising is I thought after they won the 2004 World Series, I was curious to see if they'd be as popular because everybody loves a lovable loser, and they have. They've been more successful now than they were ever before, and they, you know, now they're winning. They're not losers anymore. So congratulations to the Boston Red Sox. What do we give them? I don't know, but I'm sure they're dancing in the streets in Boston right now. And uh, I know there are people that work for the Red Sox that listen to this show. So uh, I don't know what we'll send you. We'll send you some green beer or something. But uh, congratulations on your first Roy. Now, our next award for the best college sports athletic department. This one, you know, there's a lot of great college sports athletic departments. But when you look at the on-the-field or on-the-court results of this school, 
you really can't argue there's no one else that's even a close second. The University of Florida, the Gators, they've won the last two national championships in basketball, and they are the defending national champions in football. Those are the two biggest revenue-producing sports for any school, and Nathan, they've done it better than anyone else. Jeremy Foley, their athletic director, he's been on board since 1992. He had the foresight to hire Billy Donovan, who uh, was not a head coach, or he was a head coach, but he wasn't uh, a prominent head coach like he is now. And then Urban Meyer, he was at Utah. Utah certainly wasn't a college football power. And now look at what Urban Meyer has done. So he took two young guys, had the foresight to bring them in, and now they're doing big things in uh, Gatorville. Well, yeah, and according to CNN Money, the Gators athletic department took in $82.4 million in revenue in 2006 before winning their national championship. I mean, that is just a boatload of money for a college department. I mean, if you think of baseball teams and and NFL teams, I mean, that's a big chunk of change. Yeah, I mean, there are some teams in, in other sports and pro sports that are not making $82 million in revenues. Now, the other thing you do when you're running a successful program is you lock up your successful people, your coaches. So in this case, Urban Meyer signed a six-year contract extension earlier this year. It's going to pay him $3.25 million per season. And then Billy Donovan, who I think worked for a day for the Orlando Magic before deciding I better go back to the Florida Gators. I got it pretty good there. He signed a six-year contract. That's going to pay him $3.5 million per season. So the future is very, very bright in Florida. And congratulations to the Gators on their first Roy. That's right. Uh, Congratulations to the Gators. Now, the best North American pro sports league. No surprise Not a team, but a league. Well, it might be a surprise to some. This league has had its share of PR nightmares this year. It's had probably more controversy than it's had in the last 10 years. It's the NFL. Roger Goodell, as we said last week, has had to endure everything from Pac-Man Jones to Michael Vick to obviously the tragic loss of Sean Taylor recently. It's been a very trying year for the NFL. But the thing that you cannot overlook with the NFL is their TV deal. And Nathan, how much money do they bring in from their TV deal? They, it's staggering. It's, it's unbelievable. They bring in a combined total of $3.1 billion, not million, but billion dollars per year to broadcast NFL games. I mean, that is unbelievable. And the other thing to talk about with the NFL is if you own an NFL team, you're making a ton of money. We talk in other sports about, well, they might not break even, they may not make money. You're guaranteed, if you can get your foot in the door and buy an NFL team, to make money. Absolutely. And, you know, the TV deal, CBS, NBC, Fox, ESPN, and the NFL Network, obviously the NFL Network has had its challenges. The distribution isn't nearly as wide as they had hoped for, about $35 million. Um, so that's a challenge for them. But again, you know, you look at the domination of this league, this TV contract, $3.1 billion. It's worth more than the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and NASCAR, and the PGA combined. So this is a juggernaut. They will continue to be strong. Now, our best player personnel move of 2007, this was a tie. They both come from the Boston area. Number one and 1A. Number one is Kevin Garnett to the Boston Celtics. Now, you've seen the drastic improvement in the Boston Celtics on the court. We've seen a renewed interest in the Celtics. They were irrelevant for the last several years. Uh, Now they're on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They're all over ESPN. 
They're all over the media. And ticket sales have never been higher. TV ratings are up 97% this year. So when you look at jersey sales, people are going out and buying Kevin Garnett jerseys left and right. This has been a brilliant move for Danny Age and the Celtics. It's really injected life back into a, a lifeless Celtics franchise. Well, yeah, and you know that's why I would argue that this really is the best player personnel move of the year because the second one, which I know you were going to mention, but I'll mention for you, the New England Patriots and their acquisition of Randy Moss. The Patriots have already been there the last couple of years. Everybody's already watching the Patriots. What Boston has done with the Celtics and renewed interest in the team and merchandise, I think, is much greater than what happened with New England. Well, here's what we'll see. Kevin Garnett, obviously, at the end of the day, will probably be worth more money and worth more money to the franchise value of the Celtics than Randy Moss. But if the Patriots go undefeated, then it's going to change things a little bit because now we're talking about history. And an undefeated season has only been done once. And as we go on, every week that the Patriots go undefeated, I mean, we just talked in headlines about the Patriots and Ravens game on Monday Night Football, the biggest audience in the history of cable television. These are historic numbers. If Randy Moss isn't playing for the Patriots, you know, then you look at last year and you see the Patriots lost to the Colts in the AFC Championship. They lost that game. They were outscored, and they said, you know what, we need to go out and get some wide receivers. Randy Moss is having an MVP type of season for the Patriots. That's why. The other thing is this. There's not too many teams in the NFL where Randy Moss could go into a locker room and blend in. He goes into that locker room, and he knows that Tom Brady and Rodney Harrison and some of these other guys, they're in charge. He has to fall in the line. He can't act up or pull off some of the antics that he may have pulled off in Oakland. So when you look at the climate of the team that he's going to, he fits in perfectly. Yeah, I still have to go with the uh, Celtics, though. I think, yeah, historically, the Patriots might be a better you know, organization. But right now, for this year, Celtics. Our next, Roy. Return on Investment Award. Tiger Woods is the most marketable North American athlete. He brings in over $100 million in endorsements, and really it's not even close as far as second place. Tiger signs a deal with Gatorade, five years, $100 million this year. That's after he decides to part ways with American Express. This guy has deals just sitting there queued up waiting for him. If he loses one sponsor, he goes and says, well, I'll go pick up another $100 million sponsor. It's not even close. Tiger Woods, if you have a product out there and you want an athlete in North America to be the spokesperson for your product, it's Tiger Woods. Oh, yeah, this is a no-brainer. And, you know, Tiger Woods, I'd love to sit there at his desk and see what offers he gets, but he's very selective, as we've talked about before, about he wants partnerships. He doesn't just want to sponsor a product. He wants to be their partner, the same way he's done with Buick and Nike, and we're going to see it here again with Gatorade. Okay, now it's time for the worst, the most embarrassing awards. The, you don't want to be on this list. You don't Sport, get anything from Sports Business Radio if you're on this list. Sports Business Radio's worst sports business decision of 2007. This one goes to Teresa Earnhardt and DEI for refusing to give Dale Earnhardt Jr. majority ownership of the company his father founded. Dale Jr. left DEI. He's going to race for Hendrick Motorsports starting in 2008. Junior's going to have a new number. He's going to go from 8 to 88. He's got new sponsors, Amp Energy Drink and Army National Guard. He's leaving Budweiser behind. Despite not winning a race in 2007, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is by far the most popular driver on the NASCAR circuit. 
this is an embarrassment that they let him leave. Well, yeah, and you could say the opposite for Hendrick Motorsports. Now he's switching to number 88, so everyone who's a big fan of Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to have to go out and buy the number 88 product as opposed to the 8 that they already have. So Hendrick Motorsports stands to make quite a bit of money, and so does Dale Earnhardt. And DEI and Teresa Earnhardt can have all these little schmoozy media parties that they want, and they can say that Martin Truex is going to be a good driver for them. Guess what? You just lost the most popular driver on the NASCAR circuit, and it's this was the, the company that his father founded. Sad. It's an embarrassment. It is sports business radio's worst sports business decision of 2007. The worst sports organization in North America. And in my mind, this isn't even really close. It is hands down the NBA's New York Knicks. What an embarrassment. Highest payroll in the NBA. They didn't make the playoffs last year. And then if that's not bad enough, you've got embarrassing sexual harassment trials with their owner James Dolan and Isaiah Thomas. They've got to pay out millions of dollars to Anucha Brown Sanders. And it's one thing after another. Uh, Isaiah Thomas getting into it with players. They score 54 points in a game. The or team. 50- he's still with the organization. That's ridiculous. He should be fired. As I've said many times on this show, it's sad that the NBA can't take away uh, ownership because if they could, James Dolan should be kicked out of the NBA. Quickly, our last two awards, the most overrated athlete in our book, David Beckham, he signs a five-year, $250 million contract with the LA Galaxy, limited to five games. He scores one goal has three assists. Really, after having a big splash at the beginning, he uh, didn't do much the rest of the year. And then the career suicide award, Michael Vick, once the face of the NFL, the most expensive contract of all time, $130 million endorsements with Nike and Coca-Cola. We all know what has happened to him. He's going to do prison time for the dogfighting scandal, Nathan. Yeah, that was a no-brainer. It was like Floyd Landis last year, but Michael Vick, what a bummer. Yeah, I mean, this was a career that was promising and has flamed out. So coming up next, we're going to talk to you about Major League Baseball. And there's a new rule with bonuses and postseason awards. We'll tell you more about that coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit Evergreen evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com this is sports business radio well major league baseball players will no longer receive bonuses for winning the most valuable player cy young or rookie awards bestowed by the baseball writers association of america 
under a rule passed on Wednesday, Nathan. Yes, yeah, starting in 2013, players with such bonus clauses in their contracts will be banned from receiving votes for any BBWA awards. Now, Hall of Fame voting will not be affected, nor the manager of the year, nor will the World Series MVP. Yeah, you look at guys like Alex Rodriguez, you know, most of the players today have a bonus in their contract if they win an MVP or a Cy Young award. So this rule is basically disallowing that. Well, yeah, and you never know if there might be any kickbacks to these writers from players like Alex Rodriguez. Okay, we want to welcome two new affiliates to the Sports Business Radio Network this week. First, we want to welcome Team 1380 KSLG in St. Louis. We want to give special thanks to Operations Director Matt Strelo and General Manager John Hellcamp. We also want to welcome 107.5 FM, the game WNKT in Columbia, South Carolina. Special thanks to Operations Manager Brent Johnson. Welcome aboard to both stations. We look forward to uh, being partners with you for many years to come. We want to thank Marshall Glickman, our guest this week, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Joe Vaughn, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week by going to sportsbusinessradio.com and clicking on the podcast page. Visit our new interviews page on our website. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com slash interviews for some of our best guest interviews from the past. Also a reminder that we're going to be unveiling our top 20 sports business radio headlines of the year during our shows during the weekend of December 22 and 23 and December 29 and 30. If you have a top sports business story of the year that you'd like us to consider, drop us a note at info at sportsbusinessradio.com with your suggestion. Michael Slive, SEC Commissioner and BCS Coordinator, scheduled to join us right here next week on Sports Business Radio. Happy holidays. I'm Brian Berger. Have a terrific week. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com.